Welcome to Axiom's Data Guru Podcast, where data experts share wisdom and insights around high-performing audiences and all things data. I'm your host, Scarlett Burks. Welcome to today's podcast. We're happy to have our favorite data guru, Linda Harrison, back with us today. And we're also glad that Leah Quinn, Expert Product Director for Axiom Audience, is here to chat with us today as well. So, Leah, will you give us your background in a nutshell that brought you to your role at Axiom? Sure. So, I graduated from Miami of Ohio with a business degree in business, well, business degree in business, specializing in marketing. And I started my data career for a small data startup out of Boulder, Colorado. And that turned into Axiom's risk division. So I spent some time over in the risk land and I did client relations and product management before I jumped over into the wonderful world of marketing data, which I think we all can agree we have a lot more fun over here uh, versus risk. (laughs) So at first, um, when I jumped over into marketing, I was focused on building platforms that enabled access to Axiom's data. Um, allowing for clients to come in and see what data we had and buy and sell and visualize Axiom's info-based audiences. So this naturally led into me taking over the creation and innovation of Axiom's info-based audiences and that product line, which is where I am today. Well, great. And our big news today is that hotlines are now available as digital audiences. So we'll start at square one. Tell us what hotlines are. So hotlines are our data offering that we call hot. It's hot data because it's updated on a weekly basis. And that us allows marketers to get their hands on the data almost you know, right away from when an event occurs for a consumer. So big life changes such as pre-movers, people that are about to move, they have their house and their homes listed for sale, uh, new movers, so people that have just moved, new borrowers and new homeowners. And what this does is it enables us to allow marketers to hit these people first um, and be the first point of contact when they're experiencing these life events. So how many, I mean, how many people are we talking about? How many people move every year in the U.S.? Well, that's a rather large market. So we have about 32 million Americans that move each year. So about 10% of the population is moving. It is slightly less than it used to be, but there is still a large a large group there. And Linda, tell us how you think advertisers will be excited to use these hotlines. What new opportunities does this open up for them? To me, hotlines is a great retention play. So think of DirecTV or DISH, any of your satellite networks or banking. If you know someone is going to move, they're in the pre-mover file. You want to make sure that when they move, they carry you forward to wherever they're going, or you can also use it as a chance to talk to people just as they moved, right? So if you're maybe selling home and gardening or appliances, things like that. So I want to make sure once I move that I'm getting all my equipment where I need it from. Um, Maybe I'm changing grocery stores, dry cleaners, daycares, all those little things that make your life so much easier when you move is to have a plan of attack on where am I going to go? Where am I going to get all the goods and services? So talking to these people while they're in transition or before transition is fabulous. Easy to get to these people now quickly. And we're really grateful that they're 
available now for the digital world. So Leah, you mentioned this briefly, but tell us again, how do you determine someone is a pre-mover? So pre-movers are people that have their homes for sale in the market. They're out there, whether it's for sale by owner, whether it's through an MLS, there are people that are out there with their, with their home on the market and eliciting behaviors of pre-movers. So what I like about the pre-mover file, again, is that these are people who have their home up for sale and it's a rolling three-month file. As we see that they've made a change of address, sold their house, we're going to, and not from the U.S. Postal Service, we can't use change of address from that, but as we see that they moved, we're going to remove them from the file. And if it's been three months and we don't see anything, we're also going to remove them from the file because maybe they put their home up for sale and it didn't sell. But now they relisted it maybe with another company. We'll see it back on the pre-mover file and we're able to then target them again. So you might be on the file a couple months if you're in a slow market and you might only be on there a couple weeks if you're in a hot market, right? So it really keeps up with the Joneses, as they used to say. So we're really on top of things as far as who's on it, who's not. So constantly refreshed audiences with people coming on and people rolling off. That's great. Okay, well, let's switch gears just a little bit. Uh, we also know that family ties are now available as digital audiences. So again, Leah, tell us what what is family ties and how do uh, advertisers use it? So I love family ties. Family ties is unique to Axiom. It's a unique product offering that we're able to present to the market because of our history and because of our 50 years of business and marketing data. So what we do with Family Ties is we are able to establish family connections that expand beyond households and address level data. So many times marketers are stuck knowing and being able to only target and only narrow their audience down to household behaviors and address level behaviors. But with family ties, we allow that expansion where we're recognizing family members and connections um, regardless of the location and regardless of their current address. Right. So today, without family ties, you can only find people who live together. Right. So if my parents live with me, most of our competition in Axie would know, hey, you've got two or three generations in the household. But with family ties, I can find that there's a senior living in my same zip code or a different zip code or a different state from me. So you could target me to bring up the conversation about putting my um, family member in assisted living or adult daycare, getting some hands-on services for them, or maybe on a positive side, I'm a senior and now you can target me for taking my kids after COVID or grandkids on a big vacation, right? So a three-generation cruise or something like that. So it's a way that you can target by age and by wealth and by presence of children. Another good reason we've seen at work today is if you've got maybe wealth. So financial services clients would want to know that Scarlett doesn't look like much today online, sorry. You know, her bank account, she's living kind of day to day. She's 
you know, she's an average Joe, but her parents are mega wealthy. Let's be a little nicer to her when she comes into the bank and let's approve her for things that we may not have approved her for otherwise, because we know that she's the only or one of a few people that are going to inherit or likely to inherit all that wealth. So by understanding those family ties, you can change how you would perceive someone. I agree. Can you talk a little bit, Leah, about how family ties are built, how you bring that information together? Sure. So one of the critical components that we have with family ties is you have to have occupancy data and individuals associated with particular addresses. So this is, again, where Axiom comes in, where we're able to leverage five decades of expertise in managing data and previous history, you know, where we're following consumers in and out of households and in and out of addresses as they move over time through all life's events. So through that occupancy data, we then are able to apply rules to this baseline. So we take the occupancy data and then we apply rules. Just simple things that we know, you know, just knowing that two people live together doesn't really mean much, right? So what, what we look at is other factors about those particular consumers that were residing at the same occupancy. Do they have the same last name? Have they always had the same last name? Um, what does their age look like? Is there an age gap? So all these factors that we are able to understand about consumers and again, understand over time, right? As a consumer grows and changes, you know, you think about, you know, I lived at home with my parents and then I moved out and all those factors come back into our rules and we apply these rules to then make those connections to say, is this person potentially, uh, you know, an old a, a parent, you know, are they a senior parent? Do they potentially have grandchildren? So it, it's really, you know, again, occupancy, occupancy, and then applying levels of um, data to that and rules to that to really refine who a consumer is from a family purpose. And not only can we understand those relationships, we can help find your customer's relatives. Right. So for some credit unions, you have to be a member. And the only way that your family, the only way they could join is if you're already a member. So I'm a member of a credit union. And now my brother or sister could be targeted as well. So they could load up the credit union file, give it to Axiom. We can then say, here's Linda's relatives that you could target online, which is you know, you can't just target everyone online for a credit union offer where a membership requirement exists. So we're doing that with some of our clients today and it works really well and it helps prevent prospecting people who aren't going to qualify at the end of the end of the road. Well, that's a great example of how it's used. Any others that you um, either have seen or anticipate that that advertisers will use in relation to family ties? We have one really awesome use case that has come into from an offline standpoint um, with Ericsson Living. So they were looking to at customer acquisition. How can they acquire more clients around their particular locations? And they were stuck at this, okay, only reaching people within a certain geographic region. And they really wanted to look at it from a bigger perspective and say, okay, well, we've, we've, you know, expanded as much as we can from people that are located around our, our particular um, Ericsson living facilities, 
but we know that there's a potential to reach um, people outside of that. And so what they did is they utilized family ties to then target um, consumers that had a senior parent that lived out of state. So I, I love this example because I think about Texas and a lot of people want to come and retire to Texas. And mm -hmm. you see all these you know, facilities popping up because the children have lived here. It's a great tech community. They've come here for work and now they want to bring their parents down here. So this is a prime example that Erickson Living used that file to say, all right, we want people that live within 10 miles of a facility, but have a senior parent that doesn't live within the state. And that right there expanded their scope of their prospect universe um, and resulted in a huge customer acquisition campaign. That's an awesome example of really, re really, really reaching that right audience as we always talk about. So, um, I want to step back for a minute, back to um, hotlines, Leah. I forgot to ask that as we've seen interest rates dip to a somewhat historically uh, low rate this year, um, have your numbers gone up in terms of the new borrowers file or have you seen any trends there? So interesting enough about that, we've, we've spent a lot of time analyzing that data because it does tell a story with uh, this year of 2020 and um, interest rates reaching an all-time low and then COVID. Mm -hmm. So what we saw is a huge spike. We saw a lot of people taking advantage of those low interest rates, refinancing, you know, purchasing new homes. And then it started to kind of level off and really go the opposite because people were getting concerned, you know, with a yeah, lot right. of uncertainty um, over time with COVID and what that meant. You know, people weren't wanting to make investments. They you know, potentially are not able to due to, you know, uncertainty with their financial situation. So we did see that tailor off regardless of the interest rates quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but now it's it's kind of getting back up. You know, interest rates have gotten even lower. And yeah. so we're starting to see kind of that dip out of the valley back into uh, a higher a higher um, pool of people that are borrowing and and investing. Yeah. Def definitely nothing quite normal about the year 2020, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> Leah, yeah. why, don't you, why don't you list off the different options for hotlines? So there's new homeowners. Yes. So what's that? So new homeowners are people that have recently purchased a home. And with new homeowners um, and new borrowers, and new movers, those files are six month rolling files um, and we update them on a weekly basis. So you can either get the weekly file or you can get a whole six month rolling file to see what's been going on for the past six months. But yes. So, so what's a new borrower then? They don't, would they have to have moved or do they just get a loan? So a new borrower is someone that has refinanced and received a loan. So whether they've refinanced, taken out an equity loan, they've done something um, in that regard. So they have not moved, um, but they have done something in terms of a loan. And again, whether it's a refi, an additional loan, equity, whatnot, um, they've done something in that regard to be then categorized that way. And, and it's a mortgage on their home. It's not a RV loan or a car loan or a boat loan. Correct. Correct. Okay. It is home, homeowner. So I, as a targeter extraordinaire, I target these people because I know they just qualified for credit, right? So I 
don't necessarily want to pull a credit report for certain products and services, but I want to know that other people think that they're a good credit risk, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe I have a luxury product or I want to target them for a cruise or something else that I know would be not everyone is going to qualify for, but that it's a way to kind of eliminate the riffraff, right? Sure. <laughs> so I know that they, they're people of standing, that people would lend them money. So maybe, maybe they just took out a home improvement loan. So mm -hmm. I want to target them for home improvement type products and services or vacation type things so that I can use up all the money that they just got. So that's how I use the new borrower type file as opposed to the new homeowner file. I like that a lot. It's great thinking. Always, always getting out the riffraff. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, speaking as we did of, of the impact of COVID this year, let's switch gears just a little bit. I know that we have a number of, um, COVID-19 related segments that have been developed in the wake of the pandemic. And um, we'll just get personal for a minute. Leah, tell us a little bit about how your life changed uh, once COVID-19 hit last March and schools were closed. Oh, nothing changed at all, I'm sure, <laughs> Leah. <laughs> well, you know, so full-time working mom, and now I have four kids at home all day, ages 11, 9, 7, and 4, it has become insanity. You you go from just, you know, being a working mom to now I'm a first grade teacher and a third grade teacher and a fifth grade teacher. I'm a mediator, a counselor. You know, I'm trying to monitor TV and gaming, gaming usage, you know, and then cook all the time. So yes. just trying to juggle all these different daily responsibilities, you know, with kids and assignments and video calls, and then be able to meet my own <laughs> requirements for a job. It's been just a little bit crazy. There's there's a lack of a, a balance, let's say, <laughs> right now with all of this. And, and tell us, oh, I was gonna say, tell us exactly how they talked you into adding a puppy in the middle of all of that. Well, you know, <laughs> can we say that was the quarantine going to my head a little bit? <laughs> uh, you know, I, my seven-year-old was begging for a puppy for his birthday. And after so much time, I thought, you know what? What's What, what better use of our time right now since we're stuck in a house <laughs> and we don't have sports? you know, and school and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, I'm like, our responsibilities and our daily activities have really been narrowed down. So maybe this will help keep them occupied <laughs> was my thinking. <laughs> well, having seen its photo on Facebook, it is quite adorable. So, <laughs> so Linda, why don't you tell us about how some of those COVID segments that have been developed might help better serve other working moms that are in Leah's shoes and, uh, not only working moms, but, uh, you know, people in general. Yeah, so we have some new COVID segments that are just coming out. They're, they're not custom, they're syndicated, but they're not available, ev you know, everywhere just yet. But 
if you're looking for people who are more likely to go out, more likely to eat out, people who are cautious or less cautious, we've got that type of data available that would be hard to discern otherwise. It's hard to tell me from my daughter. Uh, I'm a little bit more eager to get out of the house and she's like, no, don't go anywhere and don't come back if you go. <laughs> so um, she, she doesn't like, even though I masked and gloved and whatever, she thinks we should just order food to deliver and drop off at the door. And I like to see the bright lights of the grocery store. So <laughs> it's so exciting. <laughs> and so. Leah, as you said, as a, as a working mom slash teacher slash entertainment coordinator, um, can you give us an example of how you feel an advertiser could use those segments to specifically serve working moms during this time of social distancing? Yeah, I, you know, for advertisers, I feel like now they have such a great opportunity to really make true and lasting connections. Um, when they look at just the different factors and how they can tailor their messaging and their offerings um, and understanding who their audience is or who their audience should be right now, uh, can really great, greatly help them um, during this time and really lead them ahead. I think about, you know, my needs, <laughs> you know, I need to minimize any of the extra right now because I have so much other extra. And so for me, uh, I want grocery pickup, you know, delivery, food services, all of that kind of stuff. That's where, you know, grocery stores can utilize what they are capable of doing to better serve me or, you know, simple things like understanding that, you know, I do have children at home and providing me with online resources to help my children or easy to do things where, you know, they don't require a lot of guidance. Um, all that messaging that they can do to present that to me um, and to make those product offerings for, for you know, the mark for working moms or, you know, um, is extremely helpful. I just, it's all the way from product customization to personalization. Uh, the door's wide open right now for them to really make a lasting mark. Most definitely. I would I would fall into that uh, one of Linda's segments that says spends all discretionary income at the grocery store because although my children are older and I don't have to play teacher for them, I feel like all we do around here is eat. <laughs> yes, us too. I think that's why it's called the COVID-19. It's yeah, kind of like exactly. the freshman 10. Exactly. Leah, any any wrap-up questions you would have for uh, Linda in terms of how advertisers are using audiences or? Yes. Linda, what, what are you seeing? How are you seeing our advertisers use this data in the pandemic? Are they, you know, following suit to customization, personalization, or holding off or what what are you what are you seeing out there you know the smart advertisers are going ahead and keeping in touch with their clients you can't wait until the pandemic is over to target consumers we're still buying things right we might have changed how we buy and you might need to have different campaigns for different audiences but reach out to Data Guru. We're happy to help you find the right audience for your campaign, right? 
there's no charge to reach out to us. We're very responsive. We'll give you a few different ideas from people who are wanting to eat in a restaurant to carry out, to have it delivered, right? So if if those are the options, we can help you find three different ways to reach your target audience. No one size fits all. The worst thing you can do is sit on your hands and not spend any money and hope that you'll still be alive in six months from a business point of view. Right. No time like the present. Well, uh, to, <laughs> to wrap us up today, I would just uh, ask you both uh, what your favorite new activity or hobby has been that you've developed while in quarantine. I'll say gardening. I've always done a flower garden, mm -hmm. but this year I have a bunch of tomato plants oh. and I have two gardens growing because one just isn't enough. <laughs> and I have a huge tomato that I can't wait to pick. It is as big as my head. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know if it, well, maybe not my head, but it's close. It's softball size and we're, it's so close to ripe. I'm ready for it. <laughs> That's great. I do. My flowers have looked better. Or I have done more with my flowers this year in the past, but I have not branched out to vegetables. So Leah, how about you? Other, other than uh, rounding up kids, <laughs> anything? Well, you know, probably not the most healthy habit, but we've been enjoying binge watching old shows. Oh. So introducing my children to some of the old uh, favorites from the 80s and 90s is what we've been doing. Oh, so it's, been, it's been pretty fun to do that, you know, bring back all those old memories, but um, something that I like the best. Oh, well, you know, they, they're really and this is not a, a movie, but they're really into friends. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but it's a lot of fun for me. That's for sure. <laughs> that is fun to revisit that. Oh, well, I thank you both for joining me for this conversation today and hopefully we'll do it again soon. Thank you. Thank you.